We will be reading from Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 14 this morning. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But the new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. We've been walking chronologically through the life of Christ in the Gospels to see the magnificence of Christ. And I hope we're seeing that as we walk through. We came a couple of weeks ago to that portion in the Gospels where Jesus had got the attention of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders. All of a sudden, they began to show up at the events that he was showing up at. And they were watching and and they were asking questions. Lots of questions. And there was an edge in their question. They weren't sincere questions. They weren't questions they really wanted answers. They were really accusations in the form of questions. And Jesus was responding to them. Those messages are online and you can get them. But today we come now to another group of people whom were asking questions. But their questions were much different. You see, the questions were coming now from the disciples of John, John the Baptist. Remember John at one point? As he interacted with Jesus, said he must increase and I must decrease. And really what he did is he gave his disciples permission to follow Christ. And so many of those disciples began to follow Christ and to walk with him. And in this particular account, it says in verse 14, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? There was a difference in that question. That question didn't have an edge on it, like the Pharisees' question. It wasn't a a question in the form of an accusation, but rather it was a sincere question. They were wrestling with the the system that they were coming out of and the things that Jesus was teaching. And one of the things that I want to say here, I think it's a good place to say it is, I hope we have good questions to ask. I hope as you look at Scripture that you have questions because I would say if you don't you're not really looking at scripture very well there are lots of questions that should come to our minds as we're in the scriptures and we need not be afraid to ask them as long as there's not an edge on those questions as long as we're not trying to prove a point or solidify a position there are lots of people in the world who ask questions like the Pharisees did because they just want to to be comfortable with their disobedience or comfortable with where they're living. And so they want somebody to somehow give them the answer they want. I was just hearing this weekend about a a fellow pastor who, who was in a community and a certain individual was affirming a certain way of life. And they wanted this particular pastor to affirm that. The reason they wanted him to affirm it was not because they wanted to know for sure that it was right, but they really wanted to solidify their position. They thought if they could get his blessing, they could do what they wanted to do. 
So lots of people want answers to their questions and they'll keep asking people for those answers until they get the answer they want. They really don't want the truth. They just want the right answer for their position. That's not the way to ask the questions. But if you have sincere questions, don't be afraid to ask them. Don't be afraid to ask them of God. Don't be afraid to ask them of other people. One of the most exciting things that's, that's happening in our, in our body right now is that many people are beginning to ask good questions. And that's the way we, we learn. That's the way we, we get a foundation under us that we need to have. And, uh, and the, the, the fact that those questions are being asked is, is my encouragement that people are in the Scriptures. So they were asking here a good question. It didn't have an edge. They were sincerely asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast? And you need to have a little history to understand all of that. There was really only one, one fast that was required in the Old Testament on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. That was the fast that the Old Testament talked about. But what had happened in the religious system that the religious leaders had developed is they had, had really three things that they felt like were paramount of a really good follower of Christ or follower of Judaism. And those three things were these. First, that they gave alms to the poor and they prayed certain prescribed prayers and that they fasted twice a week. Any good Orthodox Jew did those three things, gave alms to the poor, prayed the required prayers and fasted twice a week. And there were lots of them that did that. And and evidence of that is really what they're talking about here. Why do we and the Pharisees fast? They were talking about those twice-a-week fasts that they performed. The problem with those things, particularly with the religious leaders, is that when they gave the alms, the Scripture says they blew their trumpets. They blew the trumpets to make sure everybody knew they were giving alms to the poor. And when they prayed, they did it in public in the synagogue or on the street corners. And thirdly, when they fasted, they made sure everybody around them knew they were fasting. They put on gloomy faces. And the the fact that all of that happened helps us to see that it really wasn't something coming from the heart. It was for men. It It was for show. It was something that was painted on, on the outside of these religious leaders. And Jesus came against them. Jesus came right to the heart of those kinds of things when he dealt with the religious leaders. But there were other people who followed along, who came along, who I'm sure tried to do it the right way. They weren't all doing it the way the Pharisees did it, the religious leaders. They, they tried to do it with sincerity. And here I think we come along and we run into the John's disciples who are continuing to do the things that they think they ought to do. And yet they look at Jesus' disciples and they're not fasting. And so they ask, why not? What's up? Why do we fast and your disciples don't? If we follow you, does it mean we don't fast? We give up all of these things? That's really what was in their question. A good question. And Jesus' response is what we want to look at. The response as to why which I hope helps us to come to this table this morning with great anticipation, with great hope. Because the response that he gives is this. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. But the question is, can they fast when the bridegroom is there? What's, what's Jesus saying? 
in the Old Testament, often, as you read through the Old Testament, described the Messiah as the bridegroom and Israel as the bride. And here what we have Jesus saying is, I'm the bridegroom. The bridegroom is here. And when the bridegroom is here, the guests don't fast. It's a good thing. It's too good to mingle with fasting. You Fasting had to do with, with mourning. Whenever, whenever fasting was described in the Old Testament, in, in Yom Kippur, it had to do with mourning, mourning over sin. And Jesus has said, this is not the time to fast because the bridegroom has come. The bridegroom is here. I'm the bridegroom. The Messiah has arrived. He's in your presence. And, and that's exactly what was happening. You see, Jesus was the bridegroom. He had come for the true Israel, for the church. Promises that were given to Israel were given to the true Israel, which is the church, which is all believers of all time. The bridegroom has come. The Messiah is here. There was no need for mourning then. And that's exactly what Jesus said to John's disciples. Now, he, he, he said it with a caveat and the caveat was that the fact that when the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. Now, if you think the question of why should they not fast like we're fasting was a hard question for John's disciples. In other words, we're fasting, they're not fasting. That raises a question. The next question that gets, gets brought up is the bridegroom is leaving they didn't, they didn't comprehend that. They didn't understand that. It was a question for another day. That was a question that was going to take the disciples some three years to figure out, really. And they didn't get it all right until after the resurrection. But the fact that Jesus was going to leave wasn't going to stay there forever. The Messiah wasn't going to stay on the scene, but he was going to return to the right hand of the Father. They didn't comprehend that. But what Jesus says is, when the bridegroom leaves, then they will fast. That's an interesting statement. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But there's something else that's here. He turns gears in verse 16. Look what he begins to say. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. We understand that. And then he uses another illustration. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But the new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. You see, the wine skin illustration may be a little harder because we don't have wineskins today uh, normally. But those, those needed to expand as the fermentation process happened. And if you put it in old wineskins, it just broke. So Jesus uses two illustrations. He uses the unshrunk uh, garment, putting a patch on it, and he uses the wineskins as he gives an illustration. So what is he saying there? What, what's he talking about? In the context, it appears that what he's talking about is that they will fast, but it will be a new kind of fasting. In other words, when the bridegroom leaves, there will be a new kind of fasting. Not the same old fast of Yom Kippur. Not the fast of the past. But a new fasting. A fasting that has to do with the fact that the bridegroom has come. And we've tasted of that bridegroom. And there's an ache in our soul to, to taste more of that, to have more of that. He's left. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came. He lived for us. He lived without sin. 
And he died, he was resurrected, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And, and he's not here as he was then. And so for all true believers, there's a, there's a bit of an ache in our soul. A longing for the fullness of Christ to come back. The second coming of Christ. But this fast is different than the first. This fast is based on the fact that we know the bridegroom has come. That the bridegroom finished a work. And because he finished a work, our sin has been removed from us. The wrath of God has been turned away and put on Christ. And so we long for the day when all of the brokenness of this life, all of the brokenness will be gone and we will be with Him forever. That's the fast that it says in Scripture. And the interesting thing about that is, is the way it's stated. It says, The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they, what? Will fast just listen to that a minute let it raise some questions in your mind they will fast who are the they who are the they the they are the ones who will come to tables like this all over our world today They are the ones who look to the finished work of Christ to be strengthened. They are the ones who know that the wrath of God was put on Christ for them and therefore they won't bear it. They are the we of us who will come to this table today. The scripture says they will fast. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of us fasted this week? They will fast. And the question that rises in our minds is where are our longings? The early church had a statement. They said, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. They ended their conversations with people. Maranatha. Lord, come quickly. God, help us. God, help us to have longings arise in our soul. Have longings arise in our soul that lead us to wanting more. Wanting the fullness, the consummation of this age to come. For the Lord to fully come back. To be in our presence and us to be in His presence again. Fully in His presence as he's here. We're going to come to this table this morning. And I I pray that we will come searching our hearts. Is there a longing in our heart as there ought to be? And if not, Lord, create that longing. Fan that longing into flame. I believe the church needs to have those kinds of longings. Longings for their Lord. Longings for all of the brokenness to be gone and for us one day to be with our Lord. The Scripture doesn't say they might or some of them did. Jesus said, they don't fast now, I'm with them. But when I'm gone, they will fast. God, help us to have those kinds of longings in our heart. Help us to have the humility and the repentance in our hearts 
that we ought to have as believers, especially now as we come to this table this morning. Let's bow together. Father, we, we come now to this table. We come to be strengthened by what this table represents to us. It represents to us that the bridegroom has come. The bridegroom has come for his bride. Lord, help us to be a good bride. Help us to be a bride that, that longs for the final consummation of that coming. When one day the kingdom fully comes. Lord, I pray that there will always is an, a bit of an ache in our soul as your children. An ache that causes a longing to rise up within us for you. We sang this morning, all I have is Christ. I just pray that words and songs such as that will grip our hearts fully. Lord, we just, we just confess to you that at times, at times in a affluent nation that we live, the ache isn't as strong as it should be. So help us, Lord. Help us even now as we come. The night that you were betrayed, Lord, you took the bread and you broke it. You took the wine and you distributed it. And you said, this is my body and my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Help us to do the same, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Like for those who are going to help us this morning to come. Presents the body of the bridegroom. I ask for you to take and hold it. We'll partake together.
Bridegroom, take it and hold it. We'll partake together.
God the just is wrath for them. Be the chief of sinners men. So many times my heart has strayed from his kind and perfect ways. One of the amazing things about our Lord is the way He used everyday occurrences to illustrate. He said, there's no need for fasting. The bridegroom is here. Mike and Rebecca have been apart for a month. They're together this weekend after Mike's come back from some schooling. A time of rejoicing. But when he leaves, there'll be an ache in the soul. Jesus said, when I leave, there'll be an ache. I'm not right here. They will fast. As we partake this morning, I pray God will help us. God will help us to have that ache of soul as we ought to have it. That ache for the consummation of the kingdom, for one day for Christ to return, to establish that kingdom. 
Help us, Lord, take, be grateful. You know, we wouldn't have that ache if it were not for what we're going to sing right now. In fact, we would dread that coming. But because of the gospel, and the gospel alone, we don't have to dread it. We anticipate it. I pray that's the case in your heart. Let's stand and sing. this morning talking about that perfect man, the second Adam. And as we progressed through it, we saw that second Adam as the bridegroom. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful for the bridegroom. And I pray, Lord, that that you will help us to rest in that fact that he has come. He has borne our wrath. And that, Lord, all of that would cause there to be an ache in our soul for the consummation of it all. Lord, thank you. And go with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.